Welcome back to CrimeFiction.fm, where we bring the authors of today's best mysteries, thrillers, and suspense novels directly to you. I'm your host, Stephen Campbell, and I'm here with Matthew Palmer, the author of the intense and intelligent international thriller Secrets of State. Matthew, welcome. Thanks for having me on the show. I love the book. Uh, let's let's get right into it. It 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 is an intelligent, thoughtful thriller. Give us a little sense of why you wrote the book and the story behind it, if you don't mind. Sure. Uh, there were a couple of themes that I wanted to explore in this book. One is the the pressing threat of of nuclear terrorism. Uh, in any given year, the risk of a a nuclear bomb exploding in an American city may be small. But if you multiply that risk by X, by as many years as you care to, to do the equation out, you, you, you get a risk that is shockingly close to inevitable. Mm-hmm. And the other theme that I wanted to explore was, was believe it or not, the theme of government contracting. Mm-hmm. The idea that the United States is outsourcing national security responsibility to unaccountable private corporations and the ab- abuse that that, that system uh, could be subject to, the way that it opens up. Uh, of vulnerability in the national security process. So in the novel, our hero, Sam Trainer, 50 or so years old, uh, recently and involuntarily retired from the Foreign Service, mm-hmm. uh, is working for a, uh, a beltway band at a government consultancy called Argus Systems. That now, is, is, is that an actual term, the beltway bandit? <laughs> Or is that something Absolutely. that you... Okay, it, all it's right. It's not a technical term, but it's a, <laughs> it's a word that, that folks in Washington all know. Okay, all and right. And what it means is one of the private consultancies mm-hmm. whose sole client is the U.S. government uh, that, that ring the city of Washington like a moat. Mm-hmm. And there's hundreds, if not thousands, of these things uh, that, that are entirely dependent on federal government contracts. Uh, including in the area of national security, which is which is where this novel is focused. So Sam is part of this this uh, government consultancy that has a contract to provide intelligence and analysis on South Asia. He's a South Asia specialist, mm-hmm. and he comes across a piece of intel in his take that he knows is fake. It's been fabricated uh, for a variety of complex reasons. He knows this. And on the theory that if there's a cockroach on the kitchen floor, there's a thousand in the walls, he goes mm-hmm. looking, and he finds a whole raft of falsified intelligence pushing India and Pakistan closer and closer to nuclear war. And then the question is, who in their right minds would want to do that? Uh, and that's the, the fundamental question in, in Secrets of State. Now, I, I find your background fascinating. You, you've spent 21 years in, in U.S. Foreign Service. Could you just kind of give us a brief overview of what you've done and, and the level of expertise that you bring to this type of writing? Sure. Uh, I actually joined in 1992, so I'm, I'm, I'm pushing 24 years now. Oh, my. Okay. Um, and I have spent uh, time overseas in the Balkans. I've been in, in Cyprus. I have worked at, at our mission to the United Nations in New York and in, in a variety of positions in Washington. My current job, I'm the director for what's called multilateral affairs in the Bureau of East Asia and Pacific Affairs. So I work on a lot of the Asian institutional arrangements that we have in, in uh, Asia Pacific, which is a lot of time on airplanes flying to um, <laughs> mostly to Southeast Asia, which I use as time to write. I, I was uh, going to say, how do you actually get the writing done? Because this is a big job you've got. It is a big job. It takes about 60 hours a week. I write when I travel, and I, I write between the hours of, of 9 o'clock and 11.30 at night, and I drink a lot of coffee. 
So you must not be married. Oh, I'm married. <laughs> you must have a very understanding and wife then. <laughs> I have an extraordinarily understanding spouse. And, and what I do, I do a lot of my writing with a pen and a notepad. Really? And so we'll sit together in the living room late at night, and, and she'll read, and I'll sit in the chair right, right near her, right next to her, and I will we'll write in longhand and, and work on the novel. So we're, we're, we're together, even if I'm, I'm also focused on the, the book as we're together. But, but she's been extraordinary in terms of what it is that she's been willing to put up with as I've done this. I found it interesting in the author notes at the back of the book that you actually use the line, the opinions expressed in the novel are those of the characters themselves. But it seems pretty clear that some of the, the Beltway Bandit type um, theme, the, this theme of the book that you mentioned, this I'm assuming is an opinion of yours that some of the work that's being taken on by these contractors and consultancies are core government functions and are things that, uh, in general, we might not want to be outsourcing. That that is a particular concern, a particular view that I share. But but I don't want to take personal responsibility for the view of all of the characters in the mm-hmm. novel. And that line at the end is a requirement. If I'm going to publish it, okay, all right, I have to, to differentiate what what I have written from what the State Department necessarily believes. And so I have to put a little disclaimer in at the end. Okay, which leads to another question. Since you work for the State Department, do you do they have some sort of overview of the book that where they come in and say you might not want to say that? Absolutely. Okay. Uh, there's there's a, a vetting process that I go through. Uh-huh. But what they're looking for is not uh, you know the opinions of the characters. I'm entitled to have you know, characters in the book who believe and say whatever I want them to say. The only thing I can't reveal is classified information. And and so they they vet my manuscripts looking for anything that is sources and methods or classified, and they'll ask me to make changes, and, and I'll make the changes. You come from a family of thriller writers. Is, is this something that you felt like you had to do to, to be a member of the family? Because, I mean, you're, you've been doing what you've been doing for a long time. Why did you decide, eh, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to join the family business, so to speak? Well, I actually was, was at it for quite some time. It, it took me, the first book took me almost a decade to, to finish from the time I sat down to write the first word to the date of publication was, was close to a decade with the caveat that there were many years in there where I was too busy to write, and so I didn't do it. Mm-hmm. So it was an off-and-on thing. Um, but my father, Michael Palmer, uh, has 20 medical thrillers to his name, most of them New York Times bestsellers. My, my brother writes psychological thrillers, and in fact, his latest, Constant Fear, came out the same day as Secrets of State. Uh, and we've been able to do mm-hmm. some, some book stuff together, some, some events and that's been just, just fabulous. On the day my first book was published, I walked into the bookstore, and there on the new release shelf was my book, my father's book, and my brother's book lined up right against each other. And that was an awesome moment for me. That is so cool. Were there pictures taken? <laughs> oh, God, yes. Pictures taken and posted on everybody's Facebook page. And then, you know, the sad thing for me is that my, uh, my father passed away about a year and a half ago. Yes. So he hasn't been able to be a part of this. We, we, we wanted to do some Three Amigos type thing where mm-hmm. we would go on a, a, a massive book tour around the country in a VW microbus driving from independent bookstore to independent bookstore. And, and we didn't get that chance. And I, I'm sad about that. Now, your first book must have come out soon after he passed away. 
Yeah, he had passed away um, about eight months before my, my book came out. So okay. he'd, he'd had a chance to see it as as a book. He'd had a chance to hold in his hand the, the physical book. Uh, but he didn't get to, to see it out on the shelves, and he didn't get to to go out on tour with his, his two boys that, that I think would have just been a thrill for him. What kind of advice did he give you, or maybe what was the best piece of advice that he gave you about writing thrillers? The best piece of advice and the thing, the, the constant theme, uh, I think that you'll see in, in what I do and what my brother does as well, is that to create tension, the best and easiest way to do this is to take an ordinary person and put him in extraordinary circumstances. So although I write about national security, although I write political thrillers, my heroes aren't super spies. They're not highly trained operatives or experienced killers, or they don't have martial skills of any kind. They're just regular people. Mm -hmm. And through no fault of their own, just because of who they are and what they do, trouble comes looking for them. They don't go looking for it. They're not detectives. Uh, they're, they're not secret agents. They're, they're regular folk. And the regular, they get in trouble and in way over their head. And to the extent that they can be sympathetic, your readers will care about them, mm-hmm. and they will care what happens to them, and they will feel that that internal tension that makes them turn the pages until they get to the end. Now, in, in this particular book, you've created a fascinating character, Sam Trainer. Um, but as I understand it, that this is not a series character. You're not coming out with another Sam Trainer book. You're working on another standalone. Do you, do you ever think about turning something into a series just to make it a little bit easier on yourself? Well, yes, but this is the this is the other side of the coin of what Dad taught me how to do. Uh-huh. This is the negative side, which is that you can't take an ordinary person and put them in extraordinary circumstances mm. twice mm-hmm. without straining the bounds of credibility. So, you know, in my first book, for example, my hero shows up at his uh, new embassy and finds it's corrupt top to bottom in the pocket of a mining company. And what's supposed to happen? He goes on his, to his next assignment and the same thing happens? <laughs> uh, it's it, it it just it strains credibility. So yes, there are days when I wish I knew who I was writing the next book about. But what I find also with these series characters is that after books four or five, they can run out of gas. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can feel a little bit like like you're retreading the same story and the same scenes and the same emotions. But the authors are trapped in that character; they can't get away from it. One of the many things that struck me in the book, first of all, the thing that most struck me, and I use the term intelligent international thriller because it is such an intelligent, thoughtful book that the reader really needs to think along with the author to to understand what's going on, which is fun. But it's different than some thrillers where it might just be there's a dead body that drops on page one and there's a chase scene for 350 pages. This is a, a story that develops over time and just gets bigger and better um, as time goes on. I, I suspect that's probably the way you write thrillers. It's partly the way I write thrillers, and it's also partly the nature of my profession and the, the world that I'm writing about. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I love about diplomats, one of the things I love about my colleagues, is, is that they talk about interesting things. They talk about ideas. They talk about concepts. They talk about how the world works. And and so that's what my characters do. Uh, they engage with the world, and they talk about it and think about it in a thoughtful way. Uh, and so the, 
the kinds of conversations that my characters have can be pretty sophisticated, but, but they reflect the kinds of conversations that my colleagues have on a, a daily basis as part of their, their profession. And it's a delight to read something like that. As, as someone who reads a lot, it's like this one just kind of grabbed me from the start, and it's like, oh, this is going to be one of those kind of books, and it's, it's really intelligent, and you really have to concentrate and understand what's going on. So I really enjoyed it. I highly recommend the book, Secrets of State by Matthew Palmer. Where can people find this book? People can find it everywhere. They can find it um, online on Amazon or barnesandnoble.com. They can find it in their local bookstores. It, it, should be, it should be just about everywhere right now. Okay, and people can follow you where? I have a Facebook page, um, but, but to get at information about the book, the easiest place to go is actually my publisher's website, which is penguinrandomhouse.com. I don't dare maintain my own <laughs> web page because I'd have to vet everything with the State Department, and it would take forever. I will link to all that in the show notes. Thank you very much, Matthew. It's been a pleasure chatting with you today. Thanks again for having me on the show. I really do appreciate it. This is Stephen Campbell for CrimeFiction.fm. You can find us on iTunes and on the web at www.CrimeFiction.fm. If you are an iTunes listener, please subscribe and give us a rating or a review. Those help other readers find great new books like Secret of State, Secrets of State from Matthew Palmer. Thanks for listening.